mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I once heard a title given to a study on the book of Ezekiel. It was called Shattered Dreams and Glorious Visions. Ezekiel comes at the end of the Old Testament, some 1,500 years or more after Joseph. And at the end of the Old Testament story, you have shattered dreams. You have a people who would feel as if their dreams that God had given them are shattered. By the time of Ezekiel, the land that was promised to them is left behind. The homes that God had fought for to give them were lost. And this people are living for 70 years in a foreign place with a foreign king under foreign gods. Have you ever had dreams shattered? Now, from the time we're little, we watch Disney movies. And Disney tells us we should have dreams. That dreams come true and follow your dreams. And when you wish upon a star, it makes us think it's going to work out. It's going to be good. It's going to be a fairy tale ending. But sooner or later, something gets in the way of that childhood imagination. And we come down to earth and find that things didn't always work out the way that we thought they were going to. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the storylines of Disney classics actually do have a part to play in what God is teaching us right out of the Bible. But they have to be kept in the proper context. If you don't keep it in the proper context of the way God works to accomplish his purposes, you're going to be left distraught, even disbelieving. If you believe in the Americanized version of Christianity that promises you, if you work hard, it's all going to work out, or promises you that everyone deserves the same chance and the same rights and the same outcome, or that every church should be just like the church you see on TV, these dreams are going to be shattered. And they should be shattered, which is what God does. So why would we start a story about Joseph with Ezekiel? Well, Joseph is setting the pattern. Already in the book of Genesis, at the very beginning, the first story of God's people playing itself out to the very end shows us God's people will suffer. And that in order for God's dreams really to come true, it has to be done through the story of struggle, disappointment, and suffering. For Joseph, for Jesus, and for you. Joseph's story indeed begins with a dream. It sounds almost like it's come right out of an animated picture movie. Joseph begins with this dream, two dreams, and in each of the dreams it pictures him becoming king. The sheaves of grain bowing down to the greater sheaf, the stars 
the moon and the sun bowing down to Joseph. Joseph standing in this glorious coat showing his father's favoritism and perhaps an indication that he will be the one to receive the greater share of the inheritance. It's the ongoing story of family conflict. Because just like Joseph's 11 brothers got jealous and turned against him, this was happening from the very beginning with Cain and Abel, where Cain got angry and jealous and killed his brother Abel. And it keeps happening. Jealousy breeds hatred and even murder. But in the midst of this broken world and shattered dreams, God is still working. But he's working through a way that nobody would have predicted God to work. Downward. The story is downward. Notice how the story always keeps going down. They're going down to Egypt. They're going down. Down into a pit. Down into slavery. Down into Egypt. Down into Potiphar's dungeon. Down, down, down. And every step along the way, Joseph seems to keep trying to do the right thing. And the Lord is with him. How can the Lord be with him when things just keep getting worse and worse and worse? To the point where he finally has a chance to get out, he interprets the dream of a man that's in prison with him who gets appointed back to be right Pharaoh's right-hand man, the king of Egypt's cupbearer. And he says to him when he leaves the dungeon, remember me. Well, for two years, it says, and Joseph was forgotten. That's a long time. Have you been forgotten? Does it feel like that sometimes? And how long does that last? This is the pattern that God establishes in the Old Testament of the suffering servant. The suffering servant pattern that continues on throughout Scripture, showing that God's people and their path to his purpose will not come through instant success. Getting to the promised land is going to be fraught with heartache, with battles and trials and rebellions. And even when they get to the land that God promised them, it continues to be afflicted by sickness or by war or by idolatry. In fact, idolatry becomes such an affliction. The people think it's the only quick way out. The only way to ease the pain, the only way to get out of the trouble we're in is to compromise and let sin have a place in our life. An instant fix results now and the dreams will come true, but that's not what happens. So in Ezekiel's day, they went into exile and God's people have to go through this. We know it because Joseph is just a smaller picture of the one who's coming after him. The one who will finally fulfill the story. The second Joseph is Jesus. And Jesus shows us when God sends his own son into the world, it's the same thing. Down. 
down from heaven to earth, down from baptism to temptation, down rejected by his family, down rejected by the leaders, down sold into slavery by Judas for some coins, down into political powers that put him onto a cross, put him to death, and down into the grave where he's buried. How could this happen when God at the baptism said, you are my beloved son? At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's a glorious vision. The heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descending and anointing Jesus as the chosen Messiah, and the Father saying, you are my beloved son, who am I well pleased? How could that so quickly turn to this man out in the wilderness who is hungry for just a piece of bread and has to listen to the temptations of the devil? When Jesus says to his disciples, follow me, do we realize what he's actually saying? When Jesus says, follow me, and we hear those words, it's telling us we're going down. We're going down, down, down with Joseph. We're going down, down, down with Jesus. What Henry Nouwen called downward mobility. The theology of the cross takes us down. Sometimes there's seven years of plenty. Sometimes there's seven years of famine. And what happens in Joseph's story is God uses those experiences, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, to show God is going to work out his goals no matter what greater powers are at work in this world. God, in fact, brings Joseph out of his trials. Not that he would never have difficulties again, but finally, two years later, this cupbearer, the one that brings the wine to Pharaoh every day, hears about this dream that Pharaoh had. And he says, I remember someone who interpreted one of my dreams. No one else can figure out what Pharaoh's dreams mean, except Joseph. They bring Joseph before Pharaoh, and there he interprets Pharaoh's dream for him. This dream about seven years of plenty, these seven fat cows, and seven years of famine, these seven skinny cows who are coming down to the river. And Joseph interprets it, and Pharaoh is so impressed. Pharaoh can tell that the spirit of the Lord God is with Joseph. He appoints him to be in charge of supervising Egypt and organizing a relief plan for those seven years of famine. And Joseph continues to go to work. Every step of the way, what do you see Joseph doing? Working hard, no matter where he was. He works hard in Potiphar's house and gets a good reputation. He works hard in the dungeon and he gets a good reputation and promotion and he works hard when he's appointed to be king of Egypt. So what are your dreams? We have to remember that sometimes God has to shatter our dreams before he makes his glorious vision come true. 
Disney fairy tales are telling a true story. It just has to be interpreted. The point of it all is to see what God is up to and how God with his people handle adversity, how they handle temptation, how they handle forgiveness when the brothers come back looking for food, how they handle death. As the scroll of Genesis is wrapping up, you see where it ends. With a man appointed to have dominion, a man appointed to rule, and a man who rules with the Spirit of God. That was the original intent of God's word to Adam when he created man and said, You shall have dominion over this creation. You shall bear my image. Joseph has a ring put on his finger. He has a scepter in his hand. He's the right-hand man to the king. But it's incomplete. It's incomplete because they're still in Egypt. God uses this event so that Joseph can help others. And when Joseph's brothers come and they're looking for food, Joseph reveals who he is. And he feeds his family, and he brings them to Egypt, and he gives them a place to live. And he tells them they should not be afraid. Now, would you be afraid if after throwing your brother into a pit, then selling him into slavery, then lying about him to your father that he was dead, you're now standing before the most powerful person in the world? Would you be afraid? But Joseph is like Jesus on the cross. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them. He says, you meant it for evil, just like everyone who crucified Jesus, but God meant it for good. Meaning the dreams will come true. The dreams will work out the way God has planned them. And Jesus, after he has risen from the dead, tells his disciples... Ought not the Messiah to have suffered before entering into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets? He began interpreting to them what it meant. From Moses and the pattern established with Joseph to Ezekiel and the exile, Jesus is saying, all of this is teaching you about me. It's teaching you about what God intends for his people. That through suffering, the Messiah would then die and enter into his glory to announce forgiveness of sins to all the world and to announce hope to you as you continue the downward path before you enter into glory. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of our dreams. If we want to know how the glorious vision works out, we just have to focus on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Have all of your prayers and all of your life directed to him. And then, no matter how low you get, you know God is still with you. You can still work hard at whatever task you're given. At the lowest point of the dungeon, if you're just in charge of bringing the bread to the person in charge of you, you can be a good bread bearer. And God will work out the rest. 
God keeps his promise. He takes our shattered temporary dreams and turns them into his glorious eternal dreams to raise up the bones of Joseph and bring them back to the promised land.